1: Here's your host, Dane Carlson. Welcome back. Today, we're here with Caleb McMahon. Caleb is the Economic Development Director for Port Angeles, Washington. Caleb, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Um, Port Angeles, Washington. Is that a port? Is that a city? What is that? It's both, actually. So, uh,
0: as... When you get on the Western seaboard, a lot of the EDOs, the economic development organizations here are ports. Um, So I work for a number of ports. Uh, We have what we call our maritime trade, which is our waterfront property that we actually have break and bolt cargo going across our docks. But we also own two airports, a marina, a boat haven, multiple industrial parks. So it's just quite the ordeal. Uh, Here on the Northern Peninsula in Washington, uh, you know, we pretty much are... Uh, the economic driver for the, for the north part of the peninsula.
1: So you're talking about that part of uh, the state of Washington that is literally directly across from Canada.
0: Correct. I'm actually, I am looking at Victoria out my window.
1: Gotcha. So yeah. I don't know a lot about uh, port a- the port of Port Angeles. Is, mm-hmm. it, uh, is it a pretty major port on there? So You know, the
0: thing about ports is so you have these great big ports like Seattle, Tacoma, Long Beach uh, Vancouver, Portland, and a lot of them have different types of things that they do. When you think about Long Beach, you think about brake cargo, which is connect boxes. Um, when you think about, for example, Portland, Vancouver, you see a lot of car carriers coming in there, a lot of cars offload. Primarily what we do here is there's a lot of timber that crosses over our docks and pull that goes to Canada, that goes to China, that maybe goes to other places on the peninsula. Uh, in addition to that, you have these huge boats that are owned by let's say Chevron or other big tanking companies. Uh, and they come here and we actually do all the repair. We work on their, uh, radars. We do their topside repair, electrical HVAC. Uh, we have big travel lifts that lift up to 500 tons so we can pull them out of the water and do maintenance to them and those types of things. So,
1: wow, that's, that's interesting.
0: Yes, it is. And actually, you know, um, something. Recently, there was a um, initiative that was passed here in Washington. It was a tax rollback. So, what it, uh, previously it, it, I might be a little bit off on my dates here, but if you stayed, if you kept your yacht, for example, in the Sound for more than I believe it was uh, sixty days, ninety days, uh, something like that, you actually had to pay a 10 percent VAT on on your yacht. So, let's say your yacht was a million dollar yacht, that's a hundred thousand dollars. So it actually kept a lot of the yachts out of the sound for a while. Well, now as this becomes, uh, as, as that taxation goes away, we're starting to see a lot more of these really large yachts pass through on their way to Alaska. And that might not seem um, that big of an economic driver for the fact that some of these yachts coming through get 50,000 gallons of gas. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's nothing for them to stop at port for one day and drop maybe... A quarter of a million dollars into the community over a 48 hour period. So,
1: wow. Yeah. I I had never even thought of that. I mean, we have, you know, obviously here in uh, uh, Galveston, we have ports, but we don't have that sort of thing. So, that is interesting. Yeah. Um, Wow. So, and then uh, lumber, I'd imagine that is that still the primary industry there? What?
0: It's still a very big industry here. You know, of course, with Washington State, everything is heavily regulated. And I don't say that. uh, pro or con since, you know, it's just the reality of the situation. Um, so a lot of what we have here gets shipped down to the Tacoma area to be cut. That's what we call dimensional lumber. Um, but, but what we call just rough saw logs, primarily what China is looking for. Um, those get loaded straight onto log ships. They leave our port and they hit, head to Hong Kong, Shenzhen, Guangzhou, wherever that might be. Wow. Uh, so that, and so there's a lot of pull Also there's a lot of byproducts. So what's commonly referred to as trash water thinnings, it's turned into pulp, which is used by paper mills, packaging mills, biochar mills. Um, a lot of renewable energy are also using a lot of the chips as self heating and and energy producing aspects. Oh, gotcha. Hadn't thought of that. That makes sense though. It is commonly commonly referred to as hog fuel. Um, when they start putting chips
1: and a bunch of other uh, biodegradable things for, for fuel. Interesting. So, is the is the port? Is it a public entity? It is. We we were a municipal corporation.
0: Um, you know the the port actually. In, I believe it was Roosevelt twenty two who who actually signed in an act that allowed municipal uh, organizations to create ports for the benefit of their communities. And this facility was. Uh, it, was voted in in 1922, we had our first peer by 1927. So they they adopted it immediately.
1: Immediately, wow, yep. okay. Interesting, so uh, looking at your LinkedIn, you've you know been all over the place, you've worked all over the world. How did you get into economic development and how did you end up there ultimately in Port Angeles? It's, um
0: you know, I, my father my and my grandfather were both general contractors. I grew up on construction sites from a very young age. And, um, my first degree that I got from Missouri Southern was in international finance and economics. And I was actually recruited by a British firm located in Shanghai is where I was recruited to. So I moved to Shanghai and primarily what they were, what they were doing, this firm has since been bought by Colliers, but they, they were a site selection group, um, so we actually would go in and what my job was to identify property for our clientele, uh, negotiate incentives. Uh, negotiating utilities any you know rent anything there might be between our clientele and the Chinese government uh, and that would you know once we got that done uh i would pass them on to our other team who would do the architectural renderings uh engineering uh drawings and then we would actually go out and subcontract a chinese uh general contractor to build a facility. and we would manage that whole project I was you know how I got into economic development was I used to be a site select for years and years and years, uh, which is commonly the guy I'm sitting across the table from. It means. So, um, when, when I came back home, uh, and in 2010, I went to law school and after law school, I actually got recruited by one of China's la- largest maritime firms to come back. And when I went back, I ended up working for a lot of the groups that I had worked with in the past, the back the SSOEs, you know, the big general contractors and developers. Sure. Um, the plan had always been to go into private equity, and I did go into private equity. I hated it. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, after the, the one year I was in private equity, we managed to raise a, a quarter of a billion dollars, uh, really successful in doing it, just did not like the work personally. Um, came back to the States in 2016, mm-hmm. and I, I got to know a man by the name of Mark Hamer, who's the head of international business for the state of Arkansas. And he asked me to step into an economic felt the role and I did, and I've been doing it ever since. So,
1: wow. yeah, I just the,
0: love it. Yeah,
1: That's, that's phenomenal. And then, and then you ended up, um, in Oregon, I think next, right? That's correct. So, um,
0: after working in Arkansas for a number of years, um, we were really successful there. We managed to work on a $3.7 billion gas, to liquid project still, it's a long-term project still in the works there. Uh, got a $350 million investment for a wood pellet mill there. I got another $350 million investment that created 1,200 jobs. It was a, a tribal project. And uh, it was really just zooming along, so to speak. And I was kind of looking for my next challenge, which is what brought me to the Northwest. Um, Things are challenging in the Northwest. Uh, you know, I was told by multiple people don't go to the Northwest because economic development is so hard there. But that being said, um, it's, it's a challenge, but it's, it makes it fun. You know, it, it's uh, the type of industry that you get to chase here is completely different. Uh, and at the same time, uh, the set of rules and the goalposts are completely different. So
1: it's, it's not impossible here. It's just hard. What, you know, uh, let's talk about that. Like what kinds of, uh, differences, you know, do you see? So, um, just for example, on the West coast in general, you know, I don't know, you know, Port of Washington
0: now. Uh, The West Coast in general is, is very, has a lot of regulatory issues, obviously. And, and a lot of them, the problem isn't so much with regulations itself. It's how some of these become very redundant and cause a lot of red tape. um, So that the only function that they're actually serving is putting up speed bumps for businesses. Um, You know, and that's what happens in every state. You know, you get a law that overlaps another law that overlaps another law. So one thing that we've been trying to work on is a streamline, uh, permitting process here in, in the city. Um, and you know, the city's very receptive. It, it's something that we need to get to. And I think as we get to online portals, uh, where you go through permitting and licensing processes, uh, that's the goal is to be able to do that from your home or to be for, to come into somebody's office like myself and I can sit down with you and we can do it and get it done. Uh, and you know, I, I hope that's the future. So.
1: Well, yeah, we all hope that's the future, yeah. right <laughs> yeah so um you know uh ports are in the news, all the supply chain uh issues are you seeing sure. um that it, you know from your vantage point
0: oh yes, um, so as you know that you know at one point in time I believe there were seventy seven ships uh stacked up off Long Beach. They started actually putting some of those up to Vancouver and Seattle, so we started seeing quite a bit of traffic coming through the sound here um. You know, the big thing, too, is uh, it's a confluence of so many things going wrong. Uh, and, you know, one of the things we're seeing in the West Coast is labor issues, uh, or really a lack of, of enough people, uh, especially during COVID. you know, I feel like maybe the Longshoremen Union and, and multiple other organizations, you know, kind of shrink that number or, or maybe you weren't recruiting at the same rate that they were. And now with the disposable income that Americans have been given, uh, you know, we're buying everything up. We don't have enough people to unload it in long beach. For example, they had a code there in the city that you can only stack containers too high. Uh, well, that was a problem of bringing ships in because they didn't have enough storage space for containers. So they came in and said, you need to be able to stack them higher. We need to get rid of these codes and so on and so forth. So, you know, it's, uh, we're trying to just think of, um, creative ways around some of these issues. So, uh, you yeah, know, but I, right, right now. Uh, we're very busy, a lot of ships going by, a lot of ships waiting, uh, right off the coast to get in primarily, uh, you know, berthage spots and labor issues are, are the things that we're doing.
1: Do you still have any, uh, I'm sure you do contacts in China? Um, oh, yeah. You know, what's, um, what's it, what's it like there? What, what, what are yeah. they experiencing? So, you know, um,
0: my, uh, I was very lucky while living in China, I got to a big group of friends, um. Uh, some of them are still in Shanghai. Some of them are still in Guangzhou, Beijing, Hong Kong, Tokyo, South Korea, London, you name it. Uh, they've kind of dispersed all over the world. Uh, you know, the things things in China right now are a little grim um, with regards to, especially Hong Kong. Um, you are seeing a mass exodus of, of a lot of the Hong Kongese there because as China begins to bring Hong Kong back into the fold, so to speak. Uh, So with my contacts there, what you're seeing is kind of a mass exodus of the people you don't want leaving, who are kind of your high-level wealth and job creators. Um, This is, you know, pretty linked to Xi Jinping's whole kind, you know, uh, in the era of, for people who don't know Chinese history, in the early 80s, Deng Xiaoping is actually the person who opened up America and started getting people to uh, open businesses there. Xi Jinping has gone back to a much more protectionist standpoint. And what that's doing is it's, it's calling back really old rules into place. For example, it used to, you used to not be able to open a company in China unless a Chinese organization had 51% ownership or an SOE. Um, they started to relax some of those rules. Now they've started to, um, engage some of those rules again. So the one thing that I saw in China as I was leaving. Uh, was was really a shutdown of the openness that had been going on in the previous years. And primarily, a lot of outsourcing of Chinese labor is now going to Vietnam, Cambodia, Myanmar, and those areas. Um, as China's tried to reposition itself as a research and development services type of economy, uh, I don't think they're doing themselves any favors with their political moves, So
1: Right. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I think, you know, we're seeing the recent numbers out of China illustrate that uh the population has stopped growing and it probably yes. stopped growing, you know, a, a few years ago. It's peaked and it's on it, you know, it's heading backwards now. Um I'm not sure that China can really survive and manage without that growing labor pool all the no. time. Um, yeah, I think it we're in for a whole like change route worldwide. Yeah, well, when I was at yeah, when I was in Shanghai,
0: that's, uh, I was there when they lifted the one child policy. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, a lot of the individuals who they thought would be having children were people my age um, and which it, for all my Shanghainese friends, when they lifted that one child policy, it just got a really hearty laugh uh, for the fact that no one was going to have a second child. You can't afford to have a second child. Shanghai's more expensive than New York City. Uh, you know, it's at the, and also the education system there, if you do not want to put your child into just a state-run school, you're looking at about $30,000 a year. Um, it's, it's a very expensive place. It's a very, you know, especially you have children. Um, and the current projection is within 20 years, uh,
1: China is going to have a very serious labor shortage problem. And yeah, how does, how does the current system operate under those conditions? It, it, it can't.
0: It can't, um, you know, mass production has been their game for a long time. And as they try to pivot more to services and research and development, you know, that's the thing that every economy on earth trusted, Um uh, mm-hmm. every town I've ever worked in. If, when I was in the South, it was more heavy manufacturing. Of course they wanted to go to, uh, research and development, makes a lot more money, a lot, a lot cleaner, you know, a lot less regulation to get through. So everyone's striving for that. Um, but the reality of it is, is everybody can't be pure research and development. Um, you know, some, some countries and some places on earth, um, are a little bit more well-suited for manufacturing and those types of things. Um, if China thinks that it's going to turn its 1.3 billion people into a financial services and R and D economy, you know, on that, like on a two-legged or three-legged stool, I would be concerned.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um. That's fascinating um, let's see up there in Washington um, mm-hmm. you know I've, i I grew up in California, I started doing economic development in California, and it was a challenge um, and I'd imagine that it's much the same in the state of Washington as it was in California, probably a couple, you're probably a couple years behind where you know where the state of California yeah. was. Um, you know where do you see it headed how do you, where do you see things going? You know, as far think, as far as economic development and as far as business, just in general, like what what do you see happening?
0: Well, here's the here's the odd thing. Um, I think the California is starting to kind of collapse under its own weight of regulation, right? Um, is I, I hate to say this, but it's kind of a good thing in a sense because you see Oregon and Washington and other states now taking a look at that, thinking, hmm, you know, is that is that a path we want to follow? Or is, is there a hybrid notion of this? Um, so I'm hoping that we be, we continue to stay business friendly. But that being said, uh, businesses really want to be. Um, I am. You know, when I was in the South, we had incentive systems where I could actually write big fat checks to companies to come and locate there can't do that in Washington state, completely different, uh, set of rules and regulations. Is that,
1: uh, is that illegal? Are incentives illegal in Washington state? I think, I thought I read something that you can't do that or. You cannot gift public funds here. Gotcha. And so, and the thing about that is, is it depends,
0: you know, like any legal term, it's all about definition, how you sure. find that there was very specific legislation that I actually helped get passed while I was in Arkansas that allowed us to actually write checks versus buying equipment than us carrying equipment on books and amateurizing them and depreciating them and all those good things. So, mm-hmm. um, but I, I'm getting my door beat down right now, uh, by people who want to be, uh, you know, so it's people talk about economic development in the Northwest as it's like, it's this impossible thing. Mm-hmm. Um, what people don't understand is I've, I've been to 36 countries at my last count. Um, this is one of the most beautiful areas I've ever seen. Uh, it's just a beautiful, beautiful area. Um, people want to be here. It's got a really strong Marine backbone uh, as well. We have, and also we have aeronautical producers, uh, carbon res, uh, um, a lot of new recycle technologies. So let me say we're diversifying our economy here to not just be timber and not just, uh, topside service. Uh, we're starting to build a bit of a cluster here of actual boat builders. By the end of the year, I think we'll have about six international national and international boat builders here on the peninsula. So, as you know, cluster building is a big thing right now because as it brings a, a certain specific labor force into an area, helps your lo- logistics and your just supply chain. So absolutely. Um, so we're doing a couple things at once you know I'm trying to help we're trying to build that cluster while we're also trying to diversify. Um, and, you know, right now, uh, as I said, over Thanksgiving break, I must have got seven phone calls of people looking for space in Port Angeles and wanting to be in Port Angeles. So,
1: Wow. And, you know, where are they yeah. where are they moving from? What you know, what parts? of the? A lot of people are coming from Seattle, gotcha. you know, because it,
0: the thing about it is, is if you watch Seattle in that area. And it's not unique to Seattle, it's, you know, San Francisco or Portland or where they gentrify a lot of their businesses out. Um, right. so we're starting to see the closing of large shipyards and things like that, that ultimately the city has just decided this is no longer a heavy industrial base area. This, you know, they start building condos and things like that. Right. Um, for example, here, uh, we are developing about 18 acres of waterfront heavy industrial. And it's some of the last on the sound. Um, there was another 20 acres that was being developed that I thought, oh, that will be our competition until they just put up condos on. So they're so they taking that heavy industrial ground and, you know, once it's gone, it's, it's kind gone. of gone. It's yeah. it's really hard to get new industrial ground zone here. So uh, it, it just doesn't pencil out for a lot of the groups. So what we've had to do here is to change our approach to make it viable. We're looking at actually building our own buildings and then leasing those because those are that's the way you stay financially viable. If you're just going to live off industrial dirt leases, you're not going to make any money. Um, And that being said, so what a lot of groups of ports have done, have they sold their land or leased their land to large-scale developers that have then uh, made large-scale apartments, uh, much more of a gentrified type of look. Um, and, you know, it makes sense for their community from a monetary standpoint. The one thing that I'm trying to keep in Port Angeles is a strong economic backbone, because what you see in a lot of these towns around these big metropolitan areas is as they become Veteran communities, they become service communities, and those service sure. communities, it takes about two and a half of those jobs to equal one good-paying manufacturing job. So,
1: right, and uh, yeah, that's the key. Yeah, absolutely, that is the key. Absolutely. Well, so, Caleb, this has been uh, phenomenal. I have uh, I've learned so much, and I think we could you know do this all day.
0: Uh, well, but, I appreciate uh, it. Um, yeah. I appreciate the time.
1: If if any of our listeners would love to you know reach out to you you know, for assistance or, you know, maybe to talk, whatever, what's the best way for them to get in contact with you?
0: Sure. So, uh, my name is Caleb McMahon. That's spelled C-A-L-E-B-M-C-M-A-H-O-N. And, and, uh, my phone number is 870-209-3165. Have no problem putting, putting that out there. I get called all the time by every person on earth anyway. So, uh, if they need anything at all, please give me a shout. And I'm also, uh, very open to people just giving me a shout out if they they want to pick my brain. I've been kind sure. of been around. Um I con- a lot of the people in the in our, our tenants commonly will use me for financial forecasting or something like that because they don't have anybody on their staff who can do that. So sure. I try to lend out my uh my skill set as much as I possibly can.
1: So well, uh, you, you've had a wide and uh, you know, varied set of experiences. And uh, I hope that at some point in the future, you'll come back on this uh, podcast and we can talk about some other kinds of issues. But uh, you know, you've been a great guest and it's been really awesome having you today.
0: Well, I appreciate it, Dan. I hope you have a good day.
1: Thank you. You too.
0: Right. Bye-bye